Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Jared Pergar. He's Kevin Quickly. Kevin, I'm back. Our schedule's worked out a little bit better this week since I wasn't able to record with you last week. It feels good to finally be back. Class is back in order. Uh, this, the substitute teacher got a little rowdy last week. Some chairs were flying. Some food was flying. Um, but we're back. Order is restored. And we actually have football news to talk about this week. Yeah, Penn State's schedule, essentially, they have their home themes. Uh, and a couple of games have times and some other anticipated times. Biggest piece um, is the whiteout is against Iowa September 23rd. So there should be pretty good weather for that, which is always a good thing. Um, you've got West Virginia, which everybody thought could be the whiteout game, is actually the helmet stripe game, which is where they – Pick a section in the middle of the stadium, and not only that section on both sides wears blue. Um, so that's actually kind of cool. And then obviously, you know, like I said, Iowa's the whiteout. Michigan um, is the stripe out. Now, with the whiteout being Iowa, 8 p.m. CBS, man. You got CBS uh, on September 23rd. Now that they're part of the Big Ten um, media package, you've got September 2nd against West Virginia. They open up on NBC uh, at 7.30. So you start the month of September with two primetime games. That's a big deal for Penn State. Yeah, and it's it's going to be, you better be ready to perform. Obviously, primetime first week into the season. It's going to be Drew Aller's first start. And, man, I hope everything goes well. There's a lot of pressure on that kid. We've put a lot of pressure on him. The media's put a lot of pressure on him. I feel like campus, the whole college football world, is waiting for what is Drew Aller. And that's week one in prime time. The whole world's going to be watching or the whole United States is going to be watching. So uh, high pressure there. Um, and I like the helmet stripe. The rendering of it looks pretty cool. So that'll be cool to see. I doubt I'm going to be there for media coverage. Um, I'll probably be on the sidelines for that one at home. Uh, but I think seeing the aerial views of that from the Goodyear blimp is going to be pretty sweet. Uh, the only thing I don't like about the themes is that the whiteout Due to previously committed games, the whiteout against Mich or the stripe out against Michigan is probably going to be a big noon kickoff for Fox. Um, with the new media deals kicking off this year, CBS's deal is going to start officially fully next year. You're going to have Fox at noon, CBS at 3:30, and then NBC at primetime. CBS gets the 8 p.m. whiteout just because they still have the SEC obligations. So they're going to keep their 3.30 time slot this week, and they can kind of move the Big Ten around as they want to. Um, but, yeah, the stripe out against Michigan at noon seems like a disadvantage for Penn State. They've played Michigan well at home, but they've played them well at home at night, not at noon. The crowd is – the atmosphere of Beaver Stadium is just so different for a noon game that even a three thirty game that versus an 8 PM game. Yeah. Those noon games are tough, especially big games like that. Like they had Ohio state last year and it's, I mean, and Fox's broadcasts take forever too. So they're, you're looking at a, starting your Saturday afternoon off for the four hour game, which isn't always fun. Stripe out just does not have the same, you know, shine and brilliance that a whiteout does. Um, but at the same time, I, it, it, I get it. Right. You have to have to understand that. Um, but at the same, you take with what you got. Uh, I think Iowa is just as good of a whiteout matchup. You know, like you said, the CBS game, um, 
they have a handful of games they're allowed to choose from. That was one of them. You know, Michigan uh, obviously ends up on Fox. That's going to get some big ratings. You've got Ohio State, Michigan State already that week. That's going to be prime time for NBC. So that, you know, by deductive reasoning, welcome to the stripe out Michigan. You guys get a noon kick. It is what it is. But, you know, September is going to be an insane month for recruiting for Penn State, too. So, you know, you've got West Virginia primetime. You've got Iowa primetime. You've got Delaware anywhere. That could probably that might end up being, depending on the schedule, a three o'clock game. Um, most likely noon, but it could be a three o'clock game. Again, another great opportunity for recruiting. So they can hit that hard in the month of September. Uh, then you come back in October for your home slate of UMass and Indiana. And then you round up the home slate with Michigan and Rutgers, you know, obviously road trips in between most, most of those games, but there's a lot of opportunity to really hammer home the recruiting, especially with West Virginia and Iowa. Yeah. And the Thon game on September 9th kind of feels out of place. I feel like that's usually later in the season. Um, they just homecoming against UMass just feels out of place. Um, but yeah, getting getting off to a hot start, it's going to be how well does this team perform. Obviously, I the defense is going to be there. It's how successful is Drew Aller going to be. I don't want to – I'm not trying to cast down on it at all, but it, we've built this guy up on top of a mountain. It's We're bound to be maybe slightly disappointed at first. So it's just going to be a matter of how, of how short of expectations he is because – Basically, the perception is he's going to go like 40 of 50 for 500 yards and four touchdowns in week one. And it's, that's that's just not going to be the case. So, um, yeah, if the offense is there and productive, they win a big game against West Virginia. West Virginia is probably not the most talented team out there week one. Um, you're just going to keep building that momentum that they built all last year, winning the Rose Bowl. I mean, you saw just how much momentum that's helped on the recruiting trail since January. So, yeah, it could be could be a big month in September. Um, and yeah, I think I think Michigan is going to be the noon kickoff. The other games that week are Michigan State and Ohio State, which you mentioned, is going to be the NBC primetime. And the only other games that Fox has to choose from, uh, Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska. That could be intriguing if Matt Rule gains some traction because you know you have the what's the it's the fourteen day rule, so maybe maybe Matt Rule and and Nebraska are on a roll in Maryland's intriguing game, but I don't think it's it's still not better than Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, Purdue, and Northwestern Wisconsin. So yeah, the Michigan game is all but certain going to have um, a noon kick for that. So yeah, I mean it makes sense, and I, I hate to say that it makes sense, but we all know that it makes sense. But what also makes sense is that Penn State basketball is setting themselves up nicely to maybe not get back to the tournament, but have an, another competitive season. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back here for the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Esports Now Network. second segment of the lashing out podcast on Disney sports now network he's kevin i'm jared kevin first i want to talk about the transfer portal the transfer portal is a disaster right 
Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I am very much a North Carolina basketball fan. Um, they struggled this year mightily with a lot of infighting, um, namely with Caleb Love, who had previously committed to Michigan after entering the transfer portal. He was deemed academically ineligible to go to Michigan because there are actual classes there. Um, so the grass isn't always greener on the outside of the transfer portal. Especially when you have to take classes in college. I know the concept, <laughs> um, but that's one less player that Penn state has to play against um, because you look at the transfer portal and for Penn state, it's been great, right? They've honestly, the last few years, they've done a great job of hammering at home. Shrewsbury did a great job of it. Mike Rhodes is doing it. He has to, um, but it's just going to be one of those deals. Hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, They've got us. They they've got the great names. They've got some of the greatest names ever. Um, I think they're about two scholarships away now. Um, so they're they're almost there to a full roster. They they just recently got Raquandis Mitchell from Missouri, Kansas City, uh, Cutis Awahev from Georgetown, and then obviously another Penn State guy and a or a UNC guy and a Pennsylvania guy hails from um, Moon Township. Went to Olsh, Our Lady of the of Sacred Heart. Um, Puff Johnson. Um, That's a so, great name. Hey, Puff is great. And so Puff. is Moon Township. Matt, Matt ups to Moon Township. That's where I spent four years of my life um, at RMU. Are there any uh, state college coach. smoke chops that can give an NIL deal for uh, Puff Johnson? I don't know if the NCAA would allow that, but uh, put his name on the billboard out in front of one of those shops. <laughs> hey, who knows? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know how Tuner State College is, but Richard seems to just be like, uh, Richmond seems like Altoona where there's a smoke shop on every corner whereas it's an Altoona is the sheets on every corner yeah I mean that's probably accurate I think um, but, but like I said you know sorry Rose, other transfers other transfers yeah um, you had Zach Hicks from Temple um, Nicholas Kern from VCU Adrian Baldwin from VCU as well Leo Boyle from Lafayette um, so they've got a great situation coming back what those guys are able to do because other than Puff um, the Big Ten is a step above everywhere that they've played. You know, Puff played in, in the ACC, um, you know, for better or worse, I think it's better competition night in and night out on, from the top down. Um, he also played Final Four and lost the national championship. Um, don't really want to talk about that. Um, but, you know, brings back bad memories. But they're doing a good job of that. And, and a lot of you know, a lot of the recruiting that, that Mike Rhodes has had, he has to hit the portal. So it's the portal is a blessing for Penn State, but it's a curse for a lot of other places. Um, and it's a necessary evil because they don't really have anything else, right? Um, and speaking of necessary evils for Penn State, they have typically, and this started under Pat Chambers, recruited the Philadelphia area super hard. And, and they've done a great job of that. And that's huge. The Philadelphia area for basketball has always been a hotbed with big six colleges. Plus it's a great area for high school basketball. So it is, it is a hotbed for all of that. With that said, that's they've played yearly. Now it seems at the palestra that is great for a team that's focused. So let's be real. They don't sell out the Bryce Jordan center. And 
they in the Bryce Jordan Center, you know, it takes a lot for the curtains to come up um, at the BJC. So you go to the Palestra, hit the Philadelphia market. It's a big, big area from for alumni for for recruiting, but it does nothing for the university, right? Other than other than those goodwill things. If you're going to do a game like that, which I think those those types of games, those special games, those are, I think they've run their course. Um, you know, Penn, I know UNC and Michigan State once played on an air uh, on a Navy carrier in San um, Diego. Yeah, and that was something. And you obviously you got the they Valley still do game. that every year. Right. So, you know, those things I think are unique, but playing in a gym that's somebody else's college, I don't think is ideal unless it's a tournament. Um, But if if you're going to do something like that, take it across campus and go to Rec Hall. Fill up Rec Hall and make that an incredible atmosphere. Don't play Iowa at the Palestra. Play Iowa at Rec Hall. That is my fix. You keep the money in house. You don't have to worry about travel other than going to across campus. Um, now, Rec Hall is a, is a quaint place. It's not as spacious as the BJC. But again, it makes it a lot more unique as far as the campus is concerned, and it benefits everybody involved. I kind of like, I kind of like uh, the game at the Palestra. Like you said, Philadelphia is a hotbed. Uh, Mike Rhodes has really done a good job of building out a roster on a tiered level last year, they were all seniors. So you've got three guys who are going to be in their bonus year. So their, their COVID year that you mentioned, uh, cutest Wahab. He actually played at Maryland for a year. So he was at Georgetown for two Maryland for a year, came back to Georgetown is now transferred back out again. Um, so he's going to be there. A lot of experience, obviously a season in the big 10 Leo Boyle and Rayquandis. They're all COVID year guys. Ace Baldwin, Puff Johnson, obviously came from uh, or Adrian Baldwin came from VCU uh, pop Johnson from UNC. Nick Kern is a third year also from VCU. So he's got guys he knows he's got experience in the fourth and fifth year guys. And then uh, the guy we failed to mention is Bragi Goodbinson played in the Icelandic, basically like the Iceland equivalent of um, AAU. I would assume it to be it's this, Icelandic club top level. So I would equate it to AAU, but he's a freshman. Obviously you got Kanye Clary coming back as a sophomore. So they need to get on the recruiting trail and they need to get a jump on it. Even after all of these transfers, they're still ranked eighth in the big 10 in terms of recruiting class. You put that game in Philadelphia. It's you can bring 20 recruits for cheap, or you can get more people there because State College, Philadelphia to State College is not the easiest drive. I mean, it's four hours, and if you're a big-time recruit, but you don't want those to be unofficial visits where they're paying for it on their dime. If they have to drive 20 minutes to the Palestra, it's, you know, you can get more people there. It's easier for them to be there, and it shows a commitment that, hey, like, one game a year, we're going to be we're gonna play a meaningful conference game in front of your family. Like, your family doesn't have to drive four hours. What if their grandma can't drive four hours? You know what I mean? I really like going to the Palestra. I mean, Rec Hall would be great. They should play a game at Rec Hall, but I watched 30 minutes of the Palestra documentary that ESPN did today. Uh, well, ESPN did it in 2007. I watched about 30 minutes of it today. Palestra and Rec Hall are pretty much the same building, like architecturally. Rec Hall's 
was built in 20, 1929. Palestra was built in 1927. So architecturally, they're, they're pretty similar. Uh, so I, I, you would get the same vibe from it. But I, I like the game in the Philadelphia area. That's going to be where they're going to get their recruits from. They're not going to get a lot of people from. How many times are they going to get a kid from Missouri coming over? They actually have two kids from Missouri. Um, but one one who played at basketball in Missouri and one who was from Missouri. I forget who's who that was, but I, I like the game at the Palestra. It's 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 the arena that's held the most college basketball games in history. And it's four hours away. I I think it's great to renew that contract or renew that tradition. Yeah, my thing is it just doesn't I mean, yeah, it helps with recruiting, but it, let's be real, Penn State's not hurting with the recruiting money. Um, but I would just rather keep it in house and keep it on campus. Uh, I think it's just a little worn out. I think it fills it up with people that aren't necessarily there for Penn State. They're there for college basketball, which is a great thing. College basketball in the Philadelphia area dates back for as long as college basketball is there. The Big Six, you've got Penn, you've got the Ivy League schools, you've got all those schools over there, and it and it makes it great. But at the same time, there's so much more to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania uh, than Philadelphia and playing a, a Penn State game there. Um, so I'd rather see that in Happy Valley. Play it at Rec Hall. Make it special. Make Rec Hall loud. Uh, and, and emphasize it that way. Create that type of atmosphere. Because when the BJC gets loud, it's a special place. But when Rec Hall is loud, it is another level. But I don't make those decisions, nor should I but I think you can kind of revive Pennsylvania college basketball by keeping the palestra because like LaSalle doesn't really matter in college basketball anymore or Temple you know what I mean like some of those Philadelphia area schools if they can get like a Philadelphia tournament going again bring in some bigger schools from the from the greater region I don't know maybe bring up Georgetown like keeping that like the Delmarva area um and adding well, the, adding the Delmarva area to the Philadelphia area, like DC is becoming a big basketball city as well. So Baltimore is too. So if you start building that and make like kind of a pseudo new Big Five at the Plester, I think it'd be a cool. Yeah, I mean, if it's like if a mid-season gonna... tournament or early season tournament instead of like going to Hawaii for the Maui Gym Classic or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I mean, if I had the option, I'd definitely pick Philadelphia over Hawaii. Um, yeah, but, totally uh, normal thing to do, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Um, but no, I'd rather have, if it if they do play there, I wish it would be a tournament, not a one off. Um, but I understand why they do it and it makes sense. But one of the things that makes perfect sense, we're gonna talk about here on the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. Third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast and any sports now network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, I'm getting flashbacks to my childhood with the news that EA Sports dropped oh, uh, over this week. Not only are they bringing NCAA football back, but there's a potential that we could play with Drew Aller. Yeah, and uh, he could be one of the very few that actually gets his face scanned for it. Um, so yeah, the cool thing is, is the NIL terms have seemingly been established. The players will be able to benefit from that, whether it's a portion of sales, 
they're going to try to figure out how individual players contribute to the game, which I think is a little bit of a slippery slope. I, maybe you could see that power five players get paid more versus non-power five, like or group of five or the rest of the FBS. Like, do a tier power five group of five rest of FBS. Their goal is to have all 140 teams of FBS in the game. Obviously they want to do some face scans on players. Obviously all the names are going to be in there. You're not going to have QB number 15 for drew Aller. Um, but yeah, once they figure out how the actual compensation is going to happen, all these players are going to get paid. You sign, you sign the dotted line saying, I agree to, give my NIL, my name, image, and likeness to EA Sports to produce this game. The game comes out, it sells money, it sells it sells copies for money, and then the players get a portion of that. So really pumped that that's back. Um, we don't have to have uh, Bernard Robinson as the most recent covered a- cover athlete anymore. Uh, I remember the Mark Ingram and the Tim Tebow ones were probably my two favorite NCAA footballs. Or no, the Darren McFadden one was pretty good too, so. Yeah, and I think that was huge. And I, you know, dating back to when I was in college, I always thought that players shouldn't make name make make money off of their names, um, you know, in with especially EA, with this game. Um, and my, my thought was always that they should um, get the money back. So say like they were in the, in this game, they would make the money or relatively get a chunk of it, but they could only touch it after they graduated. Um, that was always my, my thing, my, my way to do that. Um, so it's, it's just one of those deals that now I'm happy that, um, these teams and these players, um, are able to make names off of themselves, especially playing that game. And who's not going to love to play with Drew Aller or, you know, Nick, Nick Singleton or Katron Allen. I think that's going to be awesome. So I'm very thrilled about that. Plus, it, now this is going to open doors for the basketball side of it, but one of the best of all bus games of all time was MVP college baseball. That is what I am excited for. I think that's going to be awesome, especially as baseball and softball grow. It's going to be, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Especially since like TV deals are starting to get a little bit bigger. ESPN platforms getting a little bit bigger. Like you're starting to get just a regular season college baseball creeping into normal cable like you're not having to go stream it on whatever site that you have to subscribe to to get it um, i certainly won't be uh teeing up to play as uh penn state and uh, college baseball but uh yeah they struggled lately not ideal yeah we'll see if the coach lasts uh i know there are several people who have called that the first act that pat craft does is fire the baseball coach so uh not advocating it, not uh not advocating for it. I don't don't have enough information to make that call, but uh I heard it's not great over there. Uh stranger things have happened, but again, you know, it, that's the other thing too. Like these these games now NIL, if they do it right, it, they can create opportunities. And that is the big thing. Everybody wants to see their name on that. I think that'd be awesome. Um but at the same time, you know, now now players are able to this is the easy. This is how it should be. If you appear in a video game, you should be able to make money off of it. Now it's just what are they gonna do? So it's you know, it's it's a blessing and a and it's a great thing for, for Penn State now because I think there are schools like Penn State, like Notre Dame, that 
if players weren't going to be represented in this game, then why are we bothering? But now players are going to be represented. Get as many players that are interested as you can. And, and voila, it should be easier um, to do that now. And again, now it's the marketing campaigns are going to be insane, you know, around college football Saturdays outside of stadiums. Yeah, this might actually motivate me to buy uh, to upgrade from my Xbox One because <laughs> I doubt I doubt it's going to come out on Xbox One. So maybe yeah. in the market, maybe in the market for a new uh, gaming system here soon. Yeah, I don't know. I if a one a one game console is what I'm probably going to have, and it's only going to play NCAA football. Yeah, I mean it's been a while since I played a video game that's not on my phone. So I mean it'll be interesting to see. Um, if I, if I break down and buy like a PS seven or PS like eight or whatever they're on now, um, whenever, you know, whenever this game comes out, but it'll be, I hundred percent buy it and I'll hundred percent play it. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Certainly will. But for now, that's about all we have for this week's edition for Kevin quickly. This has been Jared Pergar and then lashing out podcast and the sports now network we appreciate listening as always please go rate review subscribe whatever you got to do so that we can keep coming to your ears every week 